Welcome to Deep Look, Ultiworld's weekly radio show about the current state of Ultimate. I'm the host and the editor of Ultiworld, Charlie Eisenhood. Joining me as always is Ultiworld senior editor, Keith Rayner, and we have a very special guest this episode. Back with us of Raleigh Phoenix and the Radiance and Ultiworld, Lindsay Sue. Lindsay, uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, y'all. It's great to be here. We've got a fun one today. We're going to be making some bold predictions for 2022. But before we get into that, just want to take a chance here to kind of catch up on how everybody's doing. So, uh, Keith, what's going on? Uh, it is it is uh, my wife's mom's birthday, so that is that is the big event in the, in the house. But uh, I think I think we're actually going to probably celebrate on the weekend. Uh, to what extent you can celebrate in the, the this environment? So, uh, but that's that Miles is hanging out with her today, so that, I guess that's kind of her birthday gift. But that's a. Uh, that's, well, that, that's that's the news. I can't wait end. to convince people that their gift from from me is is you <laughs> take care of my child. <laughs> grandparents Who's are a wonderful a gift here, Keith. <laughs> uh, awesome, Lindsay. Lindsay, how are you? I'm doing well. Enjoying the new year. Uh, just had the tiny amount of off season and starting to ramp back up, getting ready for some uh, some tryouts that are coming up. Some tryouts, just a, a couple tryouts here and there, like the World Games tryouts. Uh, I, I hear that there was just a little World Games training camp that went down in the uh, Raleigh area. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, it's kind of been really cool to be in North Carolina and see how it's developed into a kind of big Frisbee hub. And now people want to come to us and try it, like get some reps in. So we had some people coming in from from Chicago, from Philly, from uh, all over the place and uh, played with, with us, with the people that, because we have a pretty good big group um, going to tryouts from North Carolina. And then we also had some local folks to come help us get reps and get some really competitive play in. And it was, it was really awesome. Uh, I haven't really played like a lot of sevens since uh, club nationals. So it was both really fun and really difficult. Uh, so I'm a little sore, but uh, I'm excited for what we got coming up. All right. So we're going to kick it off with just a little mini predict here. Who was the best? Who looked the best at this training camp? <laughs> um, I'll give you two. Uh, Nate Goff uh, from Chicago looked really good. I mean, he's huge. Everyone's seen the clip of him jumping over the guy. Like we all know that, but his throws were looking really, really crisp as well. So, um, he was, he was playing really well. And, uh, Cam Groom, Cam Groom, zoom, zoom, fast as ever. Uh, she was playing great. Uh, and I was, I guess, fortunate or unfortunate to have to guard and be guarded by her a lot. Um, so just got up close and personal with how good she is. And she's got the like revenge factor going on too, after getting snubbed the last time around. Oh yeah. Uh, will be interesting to see how this World Games team gets uh, put together. It's going to be a competitive year, but also they kind of botched it last time and almost screwed it up and almost didn't win gold. So, going to be fun. Going to be fun. They what they should what they should do this year is is take the team and then immediately make a team from the people that don't make it and play them like right then and there. Like give them their shot at their revenge as like a tune up. Cause that'll make you better. Having to go up against those people while they're still upset that they didn't make wow. the team, like that's gonna force you to gel and fast. <laughs> and if you lose, if the top team loses, they're immediately just wiped away and you take the back. <laughs> I think it's fair. I think it's fair. <laughs> Um, yeah, you got the uh, got a uh, iron shepherd's iron. Shepherd. <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm getting ready to go on vacation, so I'm looking forward to that. But not missing a show. I'll be back next week for the show. Um, but uh, it's busy times in disc golf, folks. Let me tell you what it is a it is a wild universe. People getting multi million dollar contracts on the reg right now. Uh, so if you're uh, if you're if you're still not following disc golf, I recommend checking it out come come over and and start reading up some stuff uh discgolf.ultiworld.com and check out the upshot podcast our uh, sister show here on deep look so uh one other thing before we jump into some predictions Lindsay, you were at the college championships right alongside me in the uh production room so to speak uh, in the uh, broadcasting department of the streams. We were doing two streams per round. So 
what were your thoughts on the experience of of college nationals and being you know in the live production environment as the technical director and just the whole norco experience it was awesome i it was like it was such a fun like week weekend you we were like right in the midst of it we were right in the middle of everything obviously we were just doing pool like some pool play games in the beginning but then the the quarters and and d3 semis came to us and we even got to do the d3 finals so it was it was a great time it was extremely stressful turns out uh live video production is hard uh but uh we can just say that if anything went wrong it was charlie and if anything went right it was me so actually we just blame keith if anything went wrong <laughs> yikes Who, yeah keith not showing up on time for the broadcast about to lose <laughs> that my did, mind. That was a near thing that happened uh i channeled my inner charlie and, and showed up uh just at the nick of time. Hey, I don't want to hear about channeled in or Charlie. I was at the fields <laughs> at like four thirty in the morning every day. So it was That's, freezing. Was who so who knew cold. California was so cold? It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, it was great to have you. Looking forward to having you back. What do you think of the D one D three combo? I thought it was awesome. I you know I haven't really watched much D three since I was playing D three. Uh, so it was really cool to get it all in one place. I don't know how like logistically challenging it was. I'm sure it was difficult, uh, but it was really awesome to have it all together. And I hope that they do it again in the future. I feel like that helps, you know, get some more eyes on D3 as well and gives them a really good experience. So, um, I, I had a great time with it. The D3 like semifinalist quality teams are, they're good. Like the finals were competitive games. Uh, oh, yeah. Good college games. Obviously, they're not going to be, you know, winning the D1 title. But I think the winners of both D3 uh, divisions, Middlebury and, and Oklahoma Christian, would have won games in D1. Like we talk about this all the time, but like definitely this year they would have won games. And and the best players looked like they would be right at home playing in oh, yeah. the top level no games at, at D1. No question. Babbitt, Brian, Beast Mode. Uh, oh, yeah. Anyway. Let's get into some predictions. It is time to make our 2022 bold predictions. And it's going to be an interesting year. You know, we've kind of we're starting off with some weirdness. We've already had a couple of uh, these beach tournaments canceled. And we're like, what's going to happen with college tournaments to start the year? And college, our college is going to let students be traveling. Uh, I think there's going to be a mishmash of things. I think we're probably going to see some colleges not allowing folks to travel. Hopefully, we don't see a lot of. Uh, event cancellations but we will uh we will see uh but we're we're likely to have a what is back to essentially a normal year where we have the standard start times for everything right college season running in its normal time memorial day tournament for the championships uh you know the AUDL PUL WL seasons all starting uh in the spring and finishing up in the in the summer uh club season standard stuff obviously a million whiff diff tournaments so it's kind of back to full strength we cross our fingers so uh <laughs> we're gonna have some predicts who wants uh, but Lindsay, you're, you're the you're the guest of honor here today on the show what you got for us uh yeah you, you say normal year i say a packed year i feel like we got more more than ever like yeah. yeah with the start of the wl and everything and road games and beach and everything so um well my this this maybe isn't a prediction as much as a, a manifestation, but uh, I'm I am manifesting that we are not going to have any COVID canceled tournaments this year. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Wow, zero, um, zero COVID cancellations. Yeah, after what's already been canceled. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, that's in the past. Additional. We're predicting the future here. I like it. Yeah. I hope you're um, right. Yeah. Um, let's see. Where should we start? I will start with um, the club division um, looking out a little bit. And I'm going to say that we're going to have another year of uh, no repeat champions. Oh, right. Because that happened this year from 2019 to now, no repeats. So you're saying it's going to happen again. I think it's going to happen again. I think it's getting harder and harder to repeat uh, in the club division. Obviously, Fury has done it many, many times. So, you know, definitely a possibility. But, uh, you know, I think we got some get some other teams there that, that might be uh, making a case for themselves <laughs> to try to, to get a championship in there. 
Yeah, pick, picking against Fury and Ring. Uh, I feel like it's you know BFG obviously had a great year, but I feel like their position's a little less secure given their history. Although maybe I should say that about Ring, but uh, I think everybody's projecting Ring per- well forward. So you know, picking against Fury and Ring is 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 tough for both to say that both are going to miss. Here's my justification: Pony won in 2018, could have easily been just as good the next year, and they fell off. Sakai looked like the best team this year for like 99% of the season. And then they lost in the semis. I think that, you know, once you've had that victory in there, it's like you lose the drive a little bit. It's like really hard to, to like put, bring it all back together the way that uh, it does in that first season to try to get the champion. And obviously Sakai has won before. um, And so it's not like their first championship ever, but uh, I, I still think it's difficult. Well, it hasn't happened. We haven't had repeat champions in the men's division for 10 years. So that's the trend there. Uh, Obviously, more so we've had repeats in the women's division, but it's never been more competitive. And we may talk more a little bit later about some teams returning and what that could mean. Uh, Keith, you got something? You want to stay in club? Let's stay in the the same area because I have have a club pick too. I did think about... I thought about like Sakai bounces back and like finishes off what they started last year. Like I thought about they they have a dominant year with a new class coming in. That's that's on my on my potential list that didn't make it, but I'm going to go with this one. Both Ring and Phoenix reach and lose in the club national final. So kind of the reverse Ooh. of what we just saw for like UNC, which I think we all feel are pretty connected to those two uh, club programs, but uh, both both are two of the best teams. Reach the final, which I I think would be a pretty proud accomplishment for both sides, uh, but neither is able to win. A little parlay, Charlie. That's what makes it bold. It's parlay and the results together. The combo. So reach the final but lose. Yeah, I mean, what do you think about that, Lindsay? <laughs> <laughs> um. I, I definitely think that we can reach the final, at least on the Phoenix side of things. And I definitely think that Ring, you know, Rings passed past their lose in devastating fashion in the semis. So I think that that's pretty reasonable. <laughs> now they're going to lose well. in devastating fashion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that feels like a jinx. If, that, if someone write this down, Saul, Saul, you're probably watching. Like, yeah. Um, I think, you know, like you say it on this program, like, it's club nationals is the hardest tournament to win. So, like, I, it's hard to count any chickens in that department. So, you know, and I've never made it to a club national final before. So like even making it to a club national final would be a huge accomplishment for me personally. And I think for the team. So, uh, I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair, uh, prediction. Well, it's like we're playing Uno right now. I'm not going to stay in club, but I am going to stay in North Carolina (laughs) and give you this take. UNC Pleiades 2022 will go down as the best college women's team of all time. We're talking crushing defeats. And I think, I think let's just go ahead and put it out there right now. They go undefeated, which basically puts them two calendar years because they didn't lose a game in 2021. So two calendar years where they don't lose a game. And, you know, whether you want to call it 21-22 or you want to say this specific team, but we're talking about best college women's team of all time. Thoughts. It's hard. It's hard to like, especially with recency bias. It's hard to like argue that. Like, not only is UNC returning almost everyone except for like a couple super seniors, but they're gaining Ann Worth, Karen Earhart, Maya Powell. Uh, so like that. I mean, that's huge for them. Um, I I think the really the only competition for like best college women's team of all time would be. Dartmouth 2018 maybe their best season uh, with their best season Jack we, we had we had Dartmouth and... 2017 as our uh the team that went the furthest of the college women's teams in our decades greatest bracket I gotta so say I think Dartmouth 2017 lost they, they were they lost in the semifinals of that bracket I think Jack well Bergevay. I think that the 2018 was better and yeah I think that they had some stumbles in 2017 in the regular season, even though they won the fun. We're splitting hairs here at this point, I guess. It's mostly <laughs> yeah. the same people. <laughs> but yeah. Here's the difference, though. 
I think Jack Verju may be better than any individual player on UNC is currently, maybe. Um, certainly like one of the greatest college players ever to play the game. But that Dartmouth team did not have any depth. I mean, they, they had like five or six really, really good players. And then like, you know, they kind of filled in the gaps at that point. Uh, but, you know, the production of that team was driven by three players. UNC goes, what, 15 deep probably with like high quality contributors on the college level. I mean, you know, obviously at some point you start to get down to people where it's like, you know, you're probably not playing in the final. Uh, but but that's every team's like that. I just think that Dartmouth was heavily reliant on, you know, two to three really, really, really tremendous players. Whereas I think UNC has those players, but also another five to ten players. I would I would definitely be curious to, to see the matchup between the two. Uh, I think, you know, it's, it's going to depend how UNC integrates these pieces how healthy and worth is uh but what's the odds for the field against unc to win a title oh i think it's like uh, field plus like 500 which it's wild to get the field plus but it feels like that's where we're at uh i think it's under plus 500 i think you're i think that's ambitious but i mean if i okay I Keith, if i give you plus 300 right now do you take it plus 300 on the field? Yeah. yeah, I think I'd take plus 300, but that feels like it's right around. That's right around the you wanna, area. You want to put some money on it right plus now? Plus 350. Oh, man. <laughs> With a sight unseen. I got to think about it because I got to think. Let, let's come back to the end okay, of the show. All right. I'll ruminate all on right. it. Uh, all right. All uh, right. Either of you have any college takes? I, I have one. And this is, this is going bold. We said bold. So here we go. Georgia semifinals, both divisions. Wow. Wow. Okay. Bold. I know it's bold, but Marie Pervier is really good. Was, I'm going to throw it out there. They were the only team that scored more than eight points on UNC. Like one of the best college teams ever, you know, like uh, I think that if they get a good draw, in their pool, they could potentially make, make some noise um, in to like make a run in the bracket. And then obviously we know that the Georgia men's team is just good, good, uh, even without any graduated seniors. So I think that they could, they could both have a really good, good college season in 2022. What do you make of the fact that Georgia lost 1510 to Davis? I mean, I think that's the that's the blemish, you know. They they lost a, close to Western Washington, close to UNC, and and kind of got beat up by UC Davis. My take is that UC Davis is also good. Okay, that's a good take. <laughs> that's a fine take. That's a good take. <laughs> uh, Georgia was in a tough pool. That's uh, really what it comes down to. Okay, so semifinals in both divisions. I'm going to go a step further here, at least in one division. I'm going to say that the Georgia men win the title in 2022. So I was not fully enough on the train in uh, in 2021, and so I'm going all in. And I lose; they lose a couple people, but but they didn't have any alums on the team, so it's basically the same team. And I think you know clearly they were a step behind UNC, but UNC's losing a bunch of key players. Still going to be very formidable opponent, no question. But I, I really think Georgia, for me, is coming into the year as the number one team in my personal power rankings. <laughs> I'm picturing, I'm picturing. So Charlie, you're you're sitting on the dining car, like the sixth or seventh car on the train. Like you're you're on the train, but you're you're not at the front. But people in front of you are like saying, like, "Hey, is Charlie driving this train?" And you hear that, and you're like, "You know what?" You just get out of your seat. You run to the front, grab the conductor, throw him out of the way. You say, I'm, I'm, I'm driving this train. I'm driving the Georgia hype train now, baby. Full throttle, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All gas, no brakes. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I tell me who's better than them coming into the year. We, we don't know. I mean, they're, they're going to be near the top, right, with, uh, with Colorado and UNC. Uh, I don't know what we'll see from some of the other top programs, you know, where – slow or brown like how we'll look at them going into next year but I, there's no reason i mean they just made the final with basically the same team everybody else is losing stuff like I, I i it's bold because 
they're not like UNC or whatever, but uh, I they look pretty. It looks like a pretty reasonable bet, all things considered. But for what it's worth, I think Brown was the second best team at nationals this year, uh, with Georgia slightly behind them. But Brown is losing some some critical pieces. So I will say this is my other college take: is that it's still going to be weird and confusing with the sixth and seventh years that are going on in all of the eligibility rules. And we need some way to clarify it because I feel like, I think, you know, these are all bold takes, but honestly, I have no idea because I don't know who's coming back. I don't know who was a super, super senior. I don't know who was like graduated <laughs> and came back. I don't know. Like, you know, it's really hard to keep track with all this, the COVID year. You and everyone both. <laughs> like, I, There's no way, like only teams know. Because I'm not even sure that there Charlie and I were talking about this. I'm not even sure that players who are eligible to play know they can play right now. <laughs> there are probably some good players who could play who don't know that they could play. It's it's gonna be a it's gonna be an odd one. And some some team is gonna pop up with some crazy, you know, grad student or two that still have eligibility and like suddenly become a contender. So you know, for me that would have been Washington, but I I can't I can't can't i'm done washington too many chances not enough dubs so i'm out i'm out on them for now anything else college looks like we're maybe done you got anything Keith? i think i think that's that's all my college college all right all right so uh keith take us somewhere uh why don't we go uh to let's 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 talk some pro leagues Uh, let's talk some semi-pro leagues uh I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start uh, in the PUL. How about that? The, we, we got Lindsay on the show, so let's let's start in the PUL. I think that the Milwaukee Monarchs emerge as the top challenger to Revo Pro over the Soul, the Gridlock, over the Radiance, uh, the teams that we've seen seen get there before, or that people have high expectations for. I say the Monarchs emerge as the top challenger. Can you can you second best team in the league? Can you go a little further in explaining that? This is they're, this they're is the second best take. team in the league, basically. Well, no, I understand and, and, what you're saying, but I want you to understand why you're saying it. <laughs> uh, I think that they could. I think that they could recruit well. I mean, there are a couple players who are like in their region who were traveling to play with other teams during the series before, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought that they recruited well at the time. Uh, you know, they, I thought they looked obviously looked good in their results, even in even in weird conditions. Uh, and I think that their community is, has shown an ability to rally around the team. So I, I think that this could be the team that emerges kind of like the soul emerged uh, in the first PUL season. I think people weren't expecting them to have the kind of weekend they did at uh, the championship weekend. Uh, I could see it, the Monarchs kind of taking that spot and rising up in a way people didn't expect and even doing it a bit during the regular season. Hmm. I'm a Keith skeptic. He's trying to get my goat here. He's, yeah, he's really, he's really trying to <laughs> push us forward. So, I, look, look, North Carolina's the villain now. <laughs> so I can't, I can't root for him. I can't pick him. I think that's fair. I mean, I can pick him, that's fair. But I think you should pick him because my hot take <laughs> is that Radiance is finally going to take down Revo Pro, and that uh, we're going to get some some new champions in town. All right. I'm. I'm more. Maybe the Monarchs play play Radiance in the final, and we're both right. That could be interesting. That could be interesting. I think. I just. I don't know, Keith. I don't know if I can get on board with the Monarchs hype train. I mean, I think they can be a good team, but they barely won the tournament. They barely got past the Pride. So, are you telling me that they're going to be going to surpass Revo next year? I. I don't know. I. I don't know that there's quite enough talent in the area, even if they consolidate everybody, for them to be to rise to that level. I'm surprised that y'all aren't higher on DC. Than being on a shadow had a had a great year. They they looked really good. Uh, they did in their look. Tournament. I I wonder if they're going to be able to keep the traveling players because that was a a big part of why they look so good. Yeah, Erica Bacon was she was on fire. Um, it's uh. It'll be. It, it, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm gonna. St- I'm, I don't really have a bold prediction here. I kind of think that Revo is still the team to beat. Um, but I, I look forward to these spicy takes happening. My my pro take is this one. I'm running it back. 
I, I whiffed in 2021, but I'm giving myself a uh, pass because of the weirdness of the COVID situation this year. USAU and the pro leagues, I'm going to give myself some leeway there, have some kind of formalized relationship of some kind. Like we're to the point where I feel like rank and file everyday players are starting to get annoyed by the lack of, you know, communication and cooperation with scheduling and things of the sort between USAU and the pro leagues. And with it now basically coming in, you know, most significant communities having some kind of pro presence in one of the leagues, I feel like this is going to become an increasingly important issue. Now, it seems like it's probably a bigger deal for the AUDL because of more season crossover between pro and club. Um, I don't know that I'm going to go so far as to say that the AUDL is the first league to have some kind of formal relationship with USAU. But I think this is the year where we start to actually see some movement on this front after many years of frosty relationships. I'm hopeful. I think this is what I said last year. Like, I hope that this that this comes to pass. I think there are a lot of people who are engaged with the community who are kind of hoping to see this. Now, I do think you can see it in a couple different ways, whether it's like you talked about some sort of uh, scheduling arrangements, which might be more informal, uh, involve some conversations, but would be a little more informal. Or I could see something like, uh, you know, partnering for youth clinics or something like that as well, if that would be meeting, if that would meet the bar of a formalized partnership. I have a breaking NBA trade news. I'm sorry, I have to bring it up because it's very relevant. Tell me, it's tell me to the Hawks of the Knicks. It is. No way. Are you ready? Woj bomb. I am. Oh, wow. The Atlanta this... Hawks are trading forward Cam Reddish to the New York Knicks for a deal that includes a protected 2022 first round pick by Charlotte. Knicks also acquire Solomon Hill and a 2025 second round pick by Brooklyn in a trade. New York is including Kevin Knox in the trade to Atlanta. Uh,. Yeah, I'm I'm not super excited about that. Bye bye, Kevin Knox. Hello, Cam Reddish. I mean Kevin Knox stinks, like real bad. Real real stinky. But uh, yeah, I'm not excited about this. I which basically means that I am. I, I feel like this is a good situation for the for the Knicks to pick up Cam Reddish and uh swap picks. Fine with me. What do you think, Sue? Do you care? <laughs> I can't say I follow the NBA super closely, <laughs> but uh, I'm excited if you're excited, Charlie. I appreciate that. Let's dunk on Keith together. <laughs> um, okay, onwards. Uh, Western Ultimate League thoughts. We've had a we've had like an appetizer of the Western Ultimate League at this point. I don't I don't have a lot of predictions here. I think that they're going to have a good season. I think they're going to have an engaging season. I think we were maybe all a little surprised at how good some of the teams were and how kind of uh, much more parity that there was than we thought there would be. And, you know, I wasn't there, but y'all said that they had a really well-organized setup for their tournament. And so I think that they have the potential to have a really awesome season for, you know, both the competition level as well as, you know, for how well they plan it out and, um, do for fan engagement and things like that. I think one interesting thing about Western Old Leagues, they're going to be starting play in March. And, you know, they have the advantage of having a bunch of teams in the Southwest US where it's warm. So you can have games in March and it not be freezing cold. So uh, I, that that's going to give them some room on the calendar that will allow people to pay attention. Let's see. Do I have a, do I have a hot take on who's going to win the league? I'm going with the Oregon Onyx. That is scorching. Scorching. <laughs> brand new. Oregon from uh, you don't you don't see that very often. The brand new team from that, from that the grave. The title. What was the other team? Oh, Swifts. The Swifts. Yes. The Swifts were buried. I, 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 I'm mostly curious. Honest. Like I'm mostly curious about the structure that the Western Ultimate League will use. But I but I think it's interesting. You point out like fan engagement and stuff, Lindsay. I mean, it was interesting to see. Western Ultimate League trying to be creative in the ways that they interacted with fans during their mini tournament. Uh, so um, I am hopeful that they'll continue to try and be creative in their approach. We love the branding. 
Uh, but I'm, I'm very curious about what the formatting of the actual league competition looks like, uh, especially bringing in a new team. But, you know, how do they how do they handle travel? Like how many games are they actually going to get in? Uh, what's the playoff qualification format? Like what's the playoff actually look like? Is it going to be kind of similar to what we see in other leagues with the championship weekend? Kind of like a mini tournament sort of thing uh, for cost saving reasons or will they will they try a different format altogether i'm i'm, I'm interested to see what what ways they go at it because they don't seem afraid to be a little bit bold keith uh you got any uh other pro league takes all right i'm i'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb with this one so uh i'm gonna say that boston glory have a breakout season in the audl uh i think everyone was a bit early on them last year but it was good for them to to take their lumps you know, to, to have that learning season. And now they have their feet underneath them. They're going to have a better chance to recruit. Uh, and we're going to see the talent pop off a little bit and they become one of the best teams in their division uh, and make the postseason. So they're going to make the playoffs. You taking them to get out of the East? Uh, no, I, I think the postseason is as far as I can go with that. Now they got to take their postseason lumps before they can, uh, before they can ascend. Great offense last year. Not a very good defense. I'm just curious to see like where the growth can come from. Is it is it going to be because they get better players, Keith, or is it going to be because they've like learned the league now? Both, okay. both. Like they they get a better better system. They're better able to utilize their depth. But their top end players, you know, Ben Sadok was one of the most productive players in the league. Maybe he ties in his turnovers a little bit. Uh, Orion Cable, you know, if if he comes together. You could be talking about a potential like MVP level player. I mean, you certainly could be talking about an all all AUDL level player, and that would be two stars for them to rally around. And then they just continue to pick up some solid players who all together, like knowing a little bit more of what to expect. It's kind of like when you see a team make nationals for the first time. You know, they they have to go through the rhythm of okay, we don't know how to prepare for nationals. We don't know what the schedule is like. But once you've been there and done that a little bit, it becomes a lot easier to make your plan. So I think that's what we'll see for Boston. I'm calling I'm calling it now. The Detroit Mechanics are going to break the streak. Hashtag break the streak. They're going to get a dub in 2022. They just signed Johnny Bansfield. He's going to do it. He's going to put the team on his back, though, and he is going to get the job done, and they're going to get a win. I think that's a fair take. Yeah, I did just see that they signed signed him. I I... Getting one W, I think that they can do that. At least, <laughs> come on, come on, it's about time. It's a low bar. It's a very <laughs> yeah. Part low of me bar. is like, part of me is like, is this really that bold? Like, I, I don't. I feel like it's doable, but man, the history of the team has just been so bad that <laughs> that I guess maybe it is still a hot take. I, I, I'm not. I'm expecting more quality signings for them. I think Johnny Bansfield's the this first. This is the tip domino. of the iceberg. I, I don't know if I'd call it an iceberg. Uh, that it's, I don't know if it goes that deep. You don't even have to get You're that good like, in the Midwest. Those teams aren't very good. Michigan's been, Michigan's just had a great year, right? The I know. Michigan college programs, both at nationals, Michigan men make a nice deep run, hybrid at the club division. I, I, it's been an uptime for Michigan, so I think there's probably a community rally. And uh, I, I would not be surprised to see some more – Interesting names joining the team, and you know maybe Johnny Bansfield lures a friend in from out of town or two. Like this, this, this could get interesting. All right, here's here's my other AUDL take. We're gonna have a first time champion again in 2022. Ooh. So you know, uh, I mean, uh, how bold is this? I don't know, but I am ruling out two of the likely top teams in the league with right. Raleigh and New York. Um, you know, you can't have Toronto. Uh, did Chicago win one back in the day? I, I don't think, think it was so. before Madison and uh, Dallas. Madison, Dallas. Dallas is going to be very good this year. But uh, so first time champ, which you know, there's some new teams coming to the league. We got Denver, we got Portland. Um, we'll see. I think uh, I, I'm I'm expecting some surprises. Although I think that you know, coming into the year, you probably still look at New York and Raleigh as the top two teams in the power rankings. I uh, I'm gonna pivot slightly and um, say that I think that Canada is gonna come back with a vengeance. I think that mm. you know the U.S. teams got a little break in the AEL 
this year. You know, Canada had their Canada Cup, and uh, it was pretty competitive. Like, you know, Toronto has historically been obviously very good, won a title, but Montreal ended up winning that game. So I, I think that potentially they could uh, they could come back and make some things difficult for those uh, the those. I guess, I guess they're in the East Division. Is that right? Yeah, realigned divisions coming yeah. up here, twenty twenty two. Might make it tough for them. And similarly, and uh, moving away a little bit, but I think that the Sixers are going to come back and going to have another really great year. I think that they could make the semis again for sure. Could they win a title? Potentially, gonna, yeah. Keith, I mean, going to go for it. You were you were you were on the Sixers train in nineteen. I was, I was, I was early, early, early arrival. Uh, I don't know if I could go that far, but it does align with the uh, no club champion repeats. If uh, if it goes that way, I, I don't think that's the team that Sue is uh, placing her bets on. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't see they certainly could be a contender. They were obviously on the upswing at the time. Are, are we concerned at all about? Uh, the potential COVID-related restrictions as far as travel between Canada and the U.S., or are we just being optimistic about that? I think that it'll be fine. Okay. Personally. Well, I mean, yeah, like the, the uh, traffic already ca- like came in. It was just kind of a matter of they didn't want to have to fly to to their regionals and then fly in um, – into nationals as yeah, well. Yeah, it was a pain. The, it was a yeah. pain. Not that it wasn't possible. It was just going to be expensive and annoying. Yeah. And they looked really good at, at um, Canada nationals. So I I think that maybe they, yeah, I don't I don't think necessarily that they're going to get get the win um, at USAU club nationals, but I do think that they could make it back to the semis and they might need a year to readjust to like the competition level of the USAU club, but I mean, I hope they don't win a title, but uh, I think they're going to be good. Sixers wins Club Worlds. I'll put it out there. Wow, that I, that 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 would be very exciting. I could I could see it. I could see that. I could see it. You could. Actually, I think I I, I do have a Canada take. Actually, you know, I, we're going to hype up Sixers. I've, I've got some Sixers hype. Then I think I can <laughs> I think I can put together something for Sixers. What you got, Keith? I'm a, I'm a big fan of Britt DeSantis. Okay. That's not a take. So let's say <laughs> Britt DeSantos emerges as like one of the best women in the world. So let's let's say like what's a good marker for that? Top fifteen, top ten in our top twenty five? I mean she was on the on the fringes. I think she maybe just made it inside the top twenty five or just outside the top twenty five when we last time we did those rankings. Uh so let's say, yeah, uh, if we're going to be bold, let's say top 10. So like back into the top 10 and asserts herself as the, as the best player in Canada, uh, potentially through the World Games. That seems like a good venue for that. Who holds that title now? Lauren Kimura? It's probably who I would think of. Yeah, I'd probably say Lauren Kimura Catherine or, or Chewy. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Brito Santos hype train. I mean, perfect candidate for that, Keith, because... Player, young player who has like kind of was off the radar a little bit. I mean, we we've seen those players emerging as stars across Ultimate because oh, guess what? Like now they're entering their athletic prime. So I don't see why not. Clearly, the talent's been there. It was like probably their best U twenty four player in nineteen. Yeah. So certainly, certainly a possibility. Top ten in the world, though that's 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 a strong one. That's a strong well top ten top ten in our in our top twenty five. I don't we don't go global for that. Okay, but. you have to play in the club division, right? Yeah. All right. Speaking of of young players, I will say that I think that Anna Thompson and Claire Trope will make the World Games team. Wow. Oh, Claire Trope. That's that. I think Anna Thompson is is someone who we've already pegged as like. Not a lock, but definitely in the mix. And I, I guess we probably shouldn't discount Trope. I think we mentioned her when we talked about potential players. Great two-way player. Uh, but wow. I mean, that's that's big stuff. Seven slots. You need some bigs. Can they both make it? I mean, they play different styles. Uh, Claire Trope is really good this season. And she's she also only like, gotten better. 
she plays she plays way above her size. I feel like. I mean, she she functions sometimes almost like a big. It's true. Like, yeah. The the, the world game selection is going to be super tough this year. Uh, Keith, you have a you have a spicy world games take here. Yeah, we're we're talking about vengeance, right? So uh, let's let's talk revenge tour for Robin Fennick. Uh, makes the world games team. Wow. Didn't make the U.S. national team, and then flips around and, and world games team like shades of Sadie Dzerski, uh and the U twenty four adventures. Like, why not? It's I bold. Mean, it's bold. Great, sure. Great player. I just don't know. Like the fact that she didn't make the world's team tells you that. Like, I mean, how do you then go to, to making the world games team? She'd have to have a tremendous tryout. Has to turn the turnovers down. Simple as that. But like, obviously, has the playmaking ability. I mean, there's no doubt about that. We saw it at Club Nationals. I, I think. I think there are a couple things that make her a great fit. One, uh, great two-way player. Like, in the, when you have these tiny rosters, you can't rely on a lot of specialists because you everybody's going to have to do a little bit of everything. And Robin has plenty of experience doing that. Uh, two, lots of experience playing mixed ultimate. True. Uh, so I think that really benefits her in, in this kind of situation. Uh, and three, has had some experience playing abroad against some of the cores of the teams that she's going to play against. So maybe that even aids her in being a valuable asset strategically, uh, you know, from like having a sense of who these players are and what their play styles look like. Uh, uh, those are those are things that could aid the, the the team in trying to reach that gold medal again. Am I ready to give this bold prediction? This might be too bold. My, my bold prediction is that you do give this bold prediction. <laughs> Coming off of this club season... I am tempted to say that Dylan Freechild does not make the World Games team. Wow, that is bold. I, I I don't know what my level of confidence in that in that prediction is, but like, it would take a redoubled effort from Freechild to be like, "Hey, I really want to get ready and compete hard." And I have no idea if that's happening or not. But he was just a little tapped out this season, and you know, you only get a couple months. From then to the tryouts and like, I don't think you get in to world games teams based just on like your reputation from the past. And we're talking about somebody who was clearly the best player in 2019. So it's not that he doesn't have the capacity, but it's just like that focus thing. You know, you talk about Lindsay mentioned that you talk about the once you win the title, it's hard to regain that mentality. Like if you want to be on the world games team, I think you start thinking about that eight months ago and training for it then. And I don't think we saw Dylan with his head fully in the game of trying to compete at the highest possible level of his game. Uh, and he may still be good enough to make it anyway, but that's my take. I did not have this take like, three months ago, four months ago. I feel like you gotta be, I feel like you gotta be egregious to not get invited back. And I, I don't know if, I don't know if it's going to be like that. But maybe, I guess I could see it. I, you know, I I get selling on the, after the club season. I get the idea here. Okay, so there's two takes to evaluate. Sue Robin makes it. Dylan misses. Your thoughts? Well, Robin did just make the beach team as well, so she's True. on an upward trajectory. But it is hard to do both beach and world games. Like that would be a lot. So I don't know if they take that into consideration at all. But um, I think it's possible. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It's it's hard. To, I, you get seven players in each division. How are you gonna like <laughs> whittle it down? I, it's impossible. Dylan, I still feel like. I mean, even if he had an off season, like I feel like he's still in his in his prime. You no know, question. like so. I I feel like that could be easily like over. Not that Robin Fennick is. I mean, obviously Robin Fennick is playing amazing, but um, you know. Again, but Robin, I don't think you'd. I don't think anybody would argue that Robin Fennig has been the number one player in the like club game at any point. Maybe top ten. You know, did I mean did win Player of the Year? Yeah, let's but not like <laughs> it was a weird team in like a weird situation, and you know they the, the turnover rate was super high. I mean, I think there was some criticism of that selection. Um, I think that Robin is like 
has at at her peak is good enough to make the world games team whether she can like maintain that like all the time like in order to make the team is the question and so she might be training right now to like get into that mindset and like be ready to go but also maybe not it's just like it's kind of hard to say I think if somebody, if if whoever went to the the North Carolina training camp, that's the team. That's they're all going to make the team. Everybody <laughs> else, they didn't show up. Too bad. Too bad. We, I, I look forward to doing our our eventual picking. Actually, picking the teams. Yeah. I, I wish we could have have Sue uh, on for that. Although I don't know if you'll no, 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 be involved given your <laughs> your status. <laughs> Maybe we'll have Cindy Lou on here, like anonymous. <laughs> No, I'm I and I have no real like illusions of making a team. I'm just excited to get to go and like have some high level competition. Um, you know, obviously going to do my best, but um, more than anything, it's just to go play and watch and see who I think is going to make the team. <laughs> yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of players of the year, you know, it's <laughs> no big deal. Keith? That was uh, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 the trajectory is upwards for you, Sue. Oh. We wish you we wish you luck. Thank you. No promises of picking you to make the team, though. <laughs> That's fair. I, I I made player of the year by having a really awesome team around me to to make it easy to play well. So I, I give that to my my team as much as to any of my own performances. Said like a true player of the year would say it. <laughs> uh, Keith, you got it. You got something here. We're talking a little observing. All right. So uh, this is this has uh, been long sought after, I feel like, on this show, in our Discord, on, on social media. Uh, I'm going with that the, the card system finally starts to move towards some sort of reform. Uh, you know, whether it's redefining what yellows and blues mean, whether it's Reemphasizing when what they need to be given out for, uh, I I think define redefining those cards might be more useful, uh, might be the direction to go. But I I don't know that's that given the speed at which things happen with USA Ultimate, I don't know I I see this process fully completing necessarily in 2022. Uh, but I do think we're going to finally start to see the the wheels turning on making that change. Uh, I, I thought about doing like. We're going to start to see the community turn on on the ten second stall and be like, "Look, it's time! It's time to move to change to seven seconds." Uh, I don't know if I can go that aggressive though. It, that is a big change for USA Ultimate. I mean, look and at these not rule changes those. that we get. It's the like weakest, slowest, most glacial pace of change possible. Yet there are like gl- still glaring issues. I mean, how do we g- we come through twenty twenty one, and it's like. We're watching AUDL games, and then we get to the club season, and it's like the slowest pace of play of all time. I'm picturing them going like the stall count is – it's no longer the T and 10. It's the E and 9. That's that's (laughs) where the stall is. Nine – like imagine how people would try to pronounce it. Um, I I just – I I hope you're right, Keith, but like – this like decision by consensus among the observer committee. It's just everything takes forever for them to even do basic stuff. Lizzie, as a player, do you feel like the card system is uh, consistent and coherent right now? No, definitely not. I feel like it's starting to change a little bit. I think that, you know, you start to see cards coming more often, um, but it's still not consistent. Like, I, th- I think I saw my first ever yellow cards happen this season. Like, I've never really been a part of a game or watched a game that that's happened in. Um, and I'm hoping that that we can kind of keep moving in that direction. Not that I hope that there are more plays that lead to yellow cards, but, um, you know, putting giving a blue card for, for somebody making a bad bid just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, it, like I, I don't, I don't see why it, we don't just kind of pick up the soccer rules of like yellow red kind of play. Um, it, I feel like it'd be easier for people to understand, but like to backpack someone and then get a blue card, but then somebody else also does kind of the same thing. And then they get a yellow card. Like what, what's the difference there? What does that mean? I, I don't really, I think that it definitely needs to be clarified. Um, even if it is starting to like change a little bit or kind of happen more often. 
I, I think that having a third card, like the blue card, for team-related things, like team patterns of double-teaming or something like that, like makes sense. But it because it's often applied to an individual for an individual play, it does really get confusing about when there should be a yellow. And like Charlie and I have said on the show, the first yellow is a freaking warning. Like, why are we not using it? It's literally a warning. So it doesn't ridiculous. make any sense to me. Uh that we have a yellow and a red card system. They just never – it's like almost never utilized even though the backpacking is uh, as common as ever beautifully. I mean I, I basically think what's happening right now is that observer observers have their own individual interpretations to some extent of like what is a blue and a yellow and there is not consistency because there's no guidance. Now, I, I'm sure that within the observer community, they're talking about this stuff and they're looking at tape and they're doing these things, but it's not being made public. So there's not like a sense of there's there's no like accountability to how this stuff is happening. And, and look, don't get me wrong. I think observers are overworked and underpaid and we need to increase their compensation and treat it with more seriousness because I think it is important. And I think they're all trying their best to do a good job. So like, it's not like saying that they're, they're doing a bad job or something, but there's clear massive inconsistency in how things are adjudicated. And right now, basically the stuff that gets yellows is only, well, generally is the like most egregious, like almost red card stuff. And then there's like randomly people who get yellows for stuff that's like really doesn't even necessarily deserve a card at all. And so I, I I feel like we need to have blue as a technical foul for swarming the field too soon or whatever, like little, you know, sort of just team nonsense. But right now, blues are given as individual foul. Like that was a bad bid blue. And like that has to go away. That just has to automatically be a yellow. If you feel like as an observer, you need to reach into your pocket because a player made a play that was bad. Be like in a bid situation or like dove into a pile or whatever, that just should automatically be a yellow. Like if you feel like you have to reach to your pocket to card it, it should be a yellow. I, I don't really understand like that, that. That should be simple in my mind. Blue <laughs> should blue only cards... be for like, yeah, a double teaming, uh, swearing at an opponent. Like literally you have technical fouls, you have flagrant fouls and you have ejections. It, it We, other sports have already figured this out. Why do we have to like make up some nonsense on the fly all the time? I think it's I also know. just like this kind of not to belabor this point, but like, you know, you you have the teams that like at higher levels that are getting used to observers, getting used to what these mean, getting used to the card system. And then you have like the majority of play that is just compl- like there's none of that. So like it's there's always going to be this process of like people getting used to it. And so like nobody's really ever on the same page because it's only like kind of like the top 10% of players or like of, of games that even get the treatment of this. So I feel like it's hard to get a kind of consensus of what the community wants and what like is the right thing to do when there's that aspect of it as well. Like if, if every game was observed, then it would be a lot easier to get this data, but it's not. <laughs> Yeah. So you're saying that with your USAU membership, everybody should get a couple of cards so that at least you can just <laughs> card people when necessary. Yes, exactly. Get your practice in. I just I think that the observer committee can like give a lot of clarity. Like I really think it's on USAU to give the clarity here on what it is. So anyway, I hope you're right, Keith. Me too. Uh, any lingering stuff here? I have a quick one. New York Knicks 2022 NBA title incoming. <laughs> Cam Reddish, NBA this MVP. Is, this, is, this is the ticket for the Knicks. No. Uh, Keith, you, I see you one left on your list. Yeah, I, I have one left. So uh, just just the other day on social media, uh, Washington, D.C. Scandal posted a little graphic of a hand emerging from the grave as they are coming back. As a team, I guess that's the formal announcement. They'll be back. Bold take. They don't make nationals. Wow. Reform scandal doesn't make nationals. They climb out of the grave and uh, they don't They don't manage to get in. So, uh, We're talking look, about a consistent bracket team here in the past, Keith. We are. We are. But, you know, they've benefited a lot from having some high-quality travel players. They haven't had a lot of competition in the region. But 
Everybody, everybody loves that chair slamming team from from Pennsylvania. So, uh, look, can I see? We've seen the Mid Atlantic get a little thin for bids over the years, right? We've seen them have teams not quite pulling their weight, getting the bids. So, I could certainly see a situation where the region doesn't have enough bids. And Scandal has to go up against Parcha. They don't quite have the firepower they used to. There's not the same buy-in because the team is reformed. you got some new folks, whatnot. Uh, and they have to go up against a Parcha team that's that's motivated. So uh, I, that's 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 the path to this coming true. Uh, I don't I don't wish it upon you. I'm, I'm a former D.C. resident myself. I don't wish it upon Scandal at all. But uh, I, I can see it coming to pass. As a former... Yeah, like a Scandal alum, I, I definitely wish Scandal the best. But I do think it's going to be a different team, like, than it has been in the past. Like, I think, you know, you got new coaches. Like, I agree that I don't think they're going to get the same travel players. But I think it potentially could be uh, to their benefit, like, getting some more beefed up local, like, talent, um, which may it may not lead to good things for Grit if they're pulling away from uh, uh, some of some of the talent there. But... I think I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the opposite. I'm gonna say that uh, uh, scandal's gonna come back and uh, kick kick Parcha out of the the nationals competition. Wow, mm. we're we're going we're conflicting here. I mean, how about how about some other factors? You know, the the core players people associate with scandal like getting a little bit older. Maybe they want to play with Space Heater. Maybe Space Heater keeps recruiting. Rally keeps recruiting. Maybe Grit doesn't fold. Like all that can 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 pull at the talent. Maybe the shadow or are asking for some people to commit. They don't want to play scandal this year. Uh, uh, there's a lot of different things shifting around. Uh, it's bold. Here's my, bold. here's my Just, take. Both scandal and Parcha earn bids and comfortably qualify. That feels like the most <laughs> likely thing to happen. Yeah. Maybe not too bold. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, anything else? I think we've pretty much gone through our lists. So anything that's uh, come to mind in our conversation today that uh, you want Any, to set Anything up for... that rhymes with schmulty schmucks uh, is <laughs> notice that's been absent from the, from the predictions. Uh, okay, Keith, I will pay you $250 if USA Ultimate institutes Ulti Bucks in 2020. <laughs> you don't have to bet you me. $250 or the equivalent amount of Ulti Bucks. Uh, you can choose how you wish to be compensated. <laughs> If I'm able to get Ulti Bucks, can we mine them like Bitcoin? How does it work? <laughs> can we can we work or can we like make them so popular that USAU has to adopt them? Like is that can, they, can we work this uh, like from the ground up? We're gonna have to do a full Ulti Bucks episode where we like really flesh out this concept <laughs> and theory to its like full potential. And we're like a calendar year from the initial Ulti Bucks joke, and it's like feels a little more firm every day. Uh well, I'm excited for 2022. Uh, I want to go. I mean, let's just. I'm going to go back and just. I want that manifestation that that Lindsay had at the beginning of no event cancellations. <laughs> <sighs> I hope you're right. We'll see. What highest risk beach worlds, uh, and then like early college season tournaments. But I think, you know, as long as Beach Worlds doesn't cancel like now, I think that it's going to happen. I think it's going to make it. It's probably going to be small and like not very Worlds feeling this year. But uh, I think it will happen. All right. Well, that is going to do it for today's show. Make sure you join us for our subscriber bonus segment where we're going to be picking our moment of the year in 2021. Sue will be joining us there. So we look forward to talking to you there. Ultiworld.com slash subscribe. $4 a month gets you access to all of our bonus podcast episodes, newsletters. Keith's got a brand new newsletter coming out. To give us a little little plug, Keith. What's, what's, what's on the horizon? <laughs> so, uh, so last year started the, the Bring It In coaching column, uh, coaching-focused column. And uh, we're going to transition into the newsletter realm. Which means uh, one of the benefits, I'll get to be talking to a lot of top-level coaches and bringing you their perspectives on things. Uh, and for the first issue, talked with the college champion coaches of the UNC men's and women's program. So if you want to hear about the decisions they had to make along the way to winning their titles, then you got to uh, subscribe and, and get access to the Bring It In newsletter. And that's just one of many benefits. It comes with being an UltiWorld subscriber. So again, UltiWorld.com slash subscribe. Check out all the benefits. We hope to see you in our subscriber bonus segment right after this. 
For Keith Rayner, Lindsay Sue, I'm Charlie Eisenhood saying so long, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Deep Look.